killer. All right, cool. So today we have a uh, Jason Gord over here, uh, a barber and barbershop owner and clothing brand owner. So uh, Jason Gord is the owner of Sorek, an upscale barbershop in Austin, Texas, that has a unique twist. It also sends sells high-end men's suits. So generally, the only way a barbershop can make money is by cutting hair, right? For the most part. Um, but you have built a fashion brand around a barbershop that has far higher potential than the barbershop itself. So that's what we wanted to talk to you today about. So thanks for being here, Jason. Yeah, man. Yeah. Just, you know, for us, it's, it's really fun being a part of the Austin community. It's fun having people like you pulling together these sort of podcasts. And so I, I'm really excited to be here. Nice. So I would just basically want to pick your brain about the barbershop world because I find it fascinating. It kind yeah. of reminds me of like the hip hop world a little bit. Yeah. I feel yeah. like barbers are like braggadocious. And Very like, much so. I follow all these like Twitter barber accounts. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. there's like, like, there's like this like hip hop rap element to it, which is kind of funny. And in general, I've also noticed the barber world is often really low tech. It's, it's like dudes are like texting each other like, hey, what time do you want to come back? It's like, I got 9 a.m. open. Um, you've gone the high tech route all the way. Yeah. Um, how much effort does that save in administration in the first place? So it, it saves a lot of effort, but in a funny way, there's a little bit of a learning curve and an uphill battle on the front end. Because as you were mentioning with barbers, they get very used to allowing their customers to text them, allowing their customers to, they're, they're very accessible in that regard. So you, as you're staffing and as you have this great team of barbers, you have to get them comfortable with the idea that, okay, everything's taken care of. Mm -hmm. Because with our, with our systems, it's hugely, uh, hugely beneficial to the barbers because everything's taken care of. Text message you know, reminders, email reminders, uh, even the booking online itself, the customers can do it all themselves, but the, the barbers have to change their way of working, their mindset to allow us to utilize those, that technology at the, the full capacity, right? So I have to show the barbers like, hey, if somebody's trying to t text you, send them the link. Uh -huh. Don't say, <laughs> oh, I got you, and then put in that work because you're teaching them bad habits, right? So for us, it's a little bit of a learning curve because it's new. That being said, uh, once they do get the hang of it, it's an amazing workflow because now my barbers are able to come into work and cut hair at the best of their ability, give the customers a great experience and go home. There's no more of the, oh, text at midnight or you know 11 p.m. while they're at the bars going, hey, you think you could get me a, an appointment yeah. tomorrow morning? You know what I mean? It's like, send them the link. They'll, they'll, they'll use it. Yeah. I said, like in the digital world, I used to do this with like consulting. Yeah. Where people would be like, hey, are these four times good? I'm like, no. How about these four times? Exactly. I was like, I spent more time just scheduling the damn thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> man. It's, 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 it's very much a funny, a funny thing to navigate because a lot of people get so worried about, you know, not pandering to their clients on every, you know, waiting on them hand and foot, right? So it's like getting them comfortable with the idea that everything's taken care of, your customers will be happy to use the online booking tool. Those sort of things are uh, very important, very important. So and, is it like, sorry, it's, yeah. is it like, is it the customers that always want to text or is it the barbers or? I think that it's the customers that initiate a lot of that relationship for, after the barber has created that, um, 
that opening, right? So if, if you get my number, or you follow me on Instagram, which is a huge part of our business. Instagram's massive. Hmm. Once you have that accessibility to a barber, now you think, oh, well, he'll just book it for me. Yeah. Whereas the reality <laughs> is, no, <laughs> that's not <laughs> my favorite is if I'm, if I'm, you know, in the shop, uh, I'm booked. I'm, I'm literally cutting hair. There's no opening for me to say, oh, one second, let me check my phone so I can book these appointments. Like that's not, not a possibility. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of it's the customer's accessibility to barbers and getting my barbers comfortable with, send them the link, say, hey, you could book it right here as opposed to, oh, let me check on that for you. You know, that's, that's not necessary. Now related, how many people like call the store on a daily basis? You know, it's, it's really funny you ask that because that was one of my big assumptions coming into this industry is, or coming into opening Soric was, okay, maybe we don't even have a phone. <laughs> I thought, what a, what a world, right? Where you could just not even have a phone definitely can you you need a phone for some reason i think it's the going on google you search a barber shop or a clothing store you click either their website which takes you to the home page or you click their phone number which calls it immediately mm -hmm. that's the differentiator that causes people to call way more than you'd expect it's because as they're Googling, they go, oh, perfect, Soric, this looks really cool, call. Whereas the booking tool is on the website, click book now. So it's, that, it's the, the degrees of separation, you know, in terms of- Is it mainly like first time people calling? Very, uh, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> so people call like constantly to book a, their appointments? A lot of people call, man. A instead lot of, of people. The instead web tool? of the web tool. Interesting. Which you've used it. It's super easy. I would prefer to use yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and you choose the time. There's no, oh, let me look at the, you know, what day are you thinking? You make all those decisions it's in like, which time. guy do you want? And like, if you're talking to a person, it's like, oh, I don't want this guy. I want that guy. Like it's, it's the whole, the whole <laughs> thing is, the whole thing is very funny in that regard. You know, it's, you, you'd expect people to be very inclined to use the online booking tool and they do. And it is something where once my customers have used it, they love it. But I think uh, another thing is uh, by calling, I think some customers feel like they can get a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe, maybe flexibility like, Oh, I didn't see the times that I wanted. Let me call them. And mm. you know, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird relationship, but, uh, you know where I've noticed this. So, uh, we do a lot of consulting with yeah. companies in the medical field. Yeah. Calling is the biggest in the medical field. There's something about like having a, a doctor or medical procedure. You want to know, like there's someone there, you know, I think that's part of it, but I'm surprised how many doctors don't have online booking available. Well, I've worked with these clients. They have the same thing as you. More people will rather call. Really? I don't know. That's so weird. Because for it's me, it is. I, I've, I mean, I was just trying to book a, a doctor's appointment the other day. I go online. I'm thinking, perfect. I'll just because another thing is, if it's a Saturday, I can't call the office. They're mm -hmm. not there. So having an online booking tool is great. Because, boom, done. Not available. So I guess, I guess maybe, I think there's also a little bit of an old school mentality because they still have you know the full on receptionists and all that stuff. 
Dude, just handling and legacy stuff is so powerful. Like, it it's is. like, why are you doing this? It's like, because we did it last year. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's yeah. just that. Exactly. I think that's because I would have to change everything. Yeah. You know, it's it's that they, they have it in their mind that is such a hurdle to get over that. Oh, why even bother with that? We're booked. We're busy. We're done. But I've seen newer specialty things, kind of like gyms and stuff like that. Yeah. Most of those will go full, just full. only yeah. like, uh, don't call us. Don't talk to exactly. us. Sorry. Like yeah. if you want that, you just yeah. can't. One That's of my it. friend's gyms in town, they they had no reception. Like the, the trainers would be running the classes and they had an online phone, but it wasn't like, like like a Google Voice number or something like that, but everything was was all handled online. That's, is, yeah. Okay, so I've talked to so many barbers about this, and the low tech factor of most barbershops no. probably contributes to this, but uh, because they had no idea what I was talking about, subscription haircuts. Yeah. Why can't you put someone on a subscription for a haircut? Like, let's say, so when I was doing like a tight fade, yeah, I liked it. But I got to go in like every week yeah, to keep that yeah, thing tight. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a lot of scheduling even through the web tool. Like yeah. I got to like come all the time. I just rather have like a thing that it automatically sets it and like yeah, it's in a calendar. Yeah. Is that not a thing? So, Why? so what, what I can, what I do with Soric is we'll set, you know, a reoccurring appointment easily. Uh, the, the problem with subscriptions in our space specifically, because I consider we're in the luxury men's grooming space. A little bit more elevated than what you'd find in a neighborhood barbershop from an experience and a skill level. That's a very, you know, there's a differentiator there. You've got your sports clips, you've got your smaller neighborhood barbershops, then you have Soric. Uh, my friend's shop, Shed in town, is another great example. All of these, we're, we're very much craft, you know, similar mm -hmm. with a coffee shop. You can go to Starbucks or you can go to, you know, Cuvee, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. So I find that, um, the difference there is our, our focus on craft means we also have to hire people that want careers, not gig work. Mm. And what that means is our pay structure, as opposed to just doing an hourly pay structure, we're a commission pay structure and we're, we're, we're paying those barbers out for every haircut. The problem with the subscription is if I, let's say you come in and you're like, man, I loved seeing Dean. He did a great job. That's my guy. And you buy into a subscription and you're expecting to come in as much as you want to get a haircut and you go to book on a Thursday and Dean's booked up, but you've already paid for your haircuts. Mm -hmm. It causes this friction where the customers are going, I paid for it. I need it today. Mm -hmm. Where's my haircut? The problem is, okay, we can say, well, Jason's available. Okay, but that that's not my guy. And also we've already paid out, you know, commission, mm -hmm. right? So if, if you pay it up front, then we're paying out commission on that sale. Where does the commission go? To which barber, to who and what, where, you know what I mean? So it's Oh, interesting. It's it's the pay structure that causes. Because I wanted to pay for Dean, but I got you and I'm like, well, yeah, I didn't get what I want. That you're getting then, money that he's supposed so, to get. Okay, got and it. And it affects it affects the the customer experience and the, the, the internal logistics with the business, you know, it's, it's a, it's a funny little thing to solve. Yeah. Yeah. I've always thought because like in the software world, you have like subscriptions, like, yeah. I mean, you know, Netflix or anything exactly. like that, where it's just like, it just dings you that money and you're like, okay, I took it. I got my service. It's and, and that is, it is something I'm working on figuring out with our software company. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, 
the problem is, you know, just the dollars and cents and where they go, right? So that that's really the only issue. I think that subscriptions are great from a revenue standpoint. The, the, the liquidity is the most important thing, right? So if I can get all of your business up front, even at a discount, I know I've got your business, right? It's yeah. it's in the bank. So there, there's a huge value there that we're we're trying to navigate value to the customer and value for for our business but it's it's on its way i think it i think subscriptions for the luxury space are are coming sooner than later also if it's self-managed through the web portal that'd yeah. be great like I, if i want to come to you every week and i book a time and it schedules yeah. it and then like i could say like in 24 hours advance like i can't yeah. be here or whatever exactly and then you exactly. don't you don't get dinged i don't get dinged. yeah yeah that's awesome a hundred percent and i think that that it's on its way for sure for sure Sweet. yeah um so let's talk about like just like starting a barbershop pros and cons. My world is like all the online stuff. Yeah, yeah. So all us losers have like no storefronts unless it's an office. You've yeah. got like a storefront and everything. What What's appealing about starting a barbershop? So, uh, you know, it's funny because the grass is always greener, right? There's so much interest I have in your space and and vice versa, I can tell. But with, with Soric specifically, it's there's... What I love about barbering is obviously the community you build, the relationships you have with customers. It's a very intimate experience uh, where you're not just getting to learn about, you know, you think about our clothing brand. For our clothing, when I, when I was, if I was just a clothing store, you come in, yeah, I get to provide some cool clothes and I get to dress you up, but that experience is very limited. With barbering, it's intimate. I'm, we actually are, are with our clients for 45 minutes to an hour, some clients, maybe even more if they're getting more services, having conversations more than just once a month, but twice a month. Uh, those relationships are really, really important to me. Uh, and that, that I think is what made me fall in love with barbering. When it comes to the appeal of a barber shop, I think the real, the real, uh, I guess, appeal would be that, um, you've got so much foot traffic from a business model perspective. It's guaranteed business mm. for a peripheral retail concept, right? Cause barbering as it is, if you're paying great commission, it's very low margin. You know, the, the business is uh, a great experience. You can make amazing money as a barber, but as a barber shop only you're missing a lot of margin because the haircuts themselves, you're paying out a commission hair product, as it exists today, costs very little and lasts six months for guys. So there's not a huge opportunity for margin. You know, you can't, there's not a lot of stuff in there that you can sell and make a great buck. But that's where this evolution, and you'll see it a lot more now, of barbershops paired with retail concepts came about. Because now you've got a constant flow of traffic. You have an intimate relationship with those customers to understand what they need. And you can provide awesome retail experience. For me, that's having Soric menswear, having anything from casual wear all the way to, as you mentioned, some tailored clothing as well. It's it's fun being able to create that uh, holistic experience. Well, well, let's just jump straight to that. That was one of the main things that attracted me yeah. to like your style. I was just like, because I, I went in for a haircut, yeah, because uh, it's just it's like literally three or four yeah. blocks away yeah. from here, <laughs> and um, and I was just like, is I thought it was like maybe a suit store because it says barbershop plus clothing, yeah. And the first time I was, I got a haircut by you actually. Yeah. Uh, don't judge this. This, I, this yeah. <laughs> but, but um, 
I got a haircut and I was just, I was just curious and I was talking to you about it and I was like, well, I'm assuming you make a lot more money with the barbershop than the clothing brand. Yeah. And you were like, yeah, but we sell $700 jackets. Like how many heads of hair do you have to cut? <laughs> yeah. So by my estimation, it's something like you have to cut like 18, 20 heads of hair yeah, yeah. to make that much revenue and profit. I'm yeah. sure the jackets well, probably well, that Well, the difference is you've got one person handling a retail experience, right? So with our menswear brand, um, you know, Soric, we have ready to wear collections that we do throughout the year. And that's everything from casual wear, like what I'm wearing, all the way to some tailored pieces. And those, those expressions create a great, you know, right now shopping experience. But we also have Soric Custom, and that's where we are able to do made the measure styles for the customer. So if you're a medium or a kind of large, or, you know, we could actually get it made for you, right? So the difference is that whole experience is handled by one person that could sell a whole closet. We have a lot of customers that come in, especially because of our made to measure experience that want to just re a refresh for their whole wardrobe, especially after the pandemic. What are well. they, what's the high end they're dropping on that? Uh, you're, you're dealing with probably $5,000. So more than a haircut. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, the, and that's one person, you know, it's not like it's four people throughout the day and that one person gets paid out a commission off of that, but it's, it's, it's totally different. You know, it's totally different. So Damn. yeah, yeah. It's, it's the, the conversion is really, really fun and really unique in terms of the brick and mortar experience. And what, what, why did you think like the clothing thing would be a good match for barber? Like what was going on in your head when you're like, I'm going to do a barber and suits. Like <laughs> yeah, where, yeah, how did that come yeah, about? Yeah. So, you know, from, for us, it was about finding an experience or creating an experience. That that's the bottom line, right? So it was, yeah. There's there's this idea that I want to open a barber shop. I really love this industry, uh, but if I add anything to it, I don't want it to feel like we're just peddling product, right? Mm -hmm. So how do I create an experience that really parallels the barber experience? from a retail standpoint. And I thought, what better way than to create a tailored experience from clothing to men's grooming. So having the, the utility of being able to do made to measure means that I can make sure our clothing fits you specifically the way it needs to, just like I would tailor a haircut to your head shape and all of that. So mm -hmm. it, was, it was really about finding a way to add to the experience and not just have a bunch of stuff, mm -hmm. you know, then you'll find a lot of barbershops will try and increase their retail revenue by just having almost like a merch store in the front. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like, it's like they're a band. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely seen that. Yeah. So, and, and that's fun. It's, it's great. The community can support it and it's a huge marketing tool. I mean, you're going to the gym and you see a bunch of guys wearing shirts from all sorts of different stores and brands and whatever. Uh, but for us, I wanted it to really be a, a, a tailored experience. And you, know, you, you mentioned Suits. It's funny because Suits was a, a, a selling jackets to trousers was a big foundation of what we did because in the made to measure space, that's all of our manufacturers. That was what their bread and butter was. Mm -hmm. But what we've done is we've actually done a bunch of R&D to be able to not just provide suits, but we provide everything from, you know, casual wear uh, some more kind of fun bohemian styles, Americana styles, 
all the way to, you know, your, your Napoli inspired jacketing. So it's, it's fun being able to be a full, well-rounded clothing brand, uh, and still be able to provide it made to measure. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so how do you also like, I'm trying to think like, how do you also sell clothes? Like I, I remember thinking like we were talking about this, the first yeah, haircut yeah. and I was like, is he going to try to sell me a jacket? <laughs> <laughs> is he going to be like having a razor to my neck and be like, dude, you should buy a jacket. Like what's, what's the process? Like, are you, are you, I don't know if you're like trying to sell like a good salesman. Like you never know that it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. No. But like I, what's that process like? So I think the best way to describe that would be how I, how I onboard barbers and how I represent that experience to the barbers. Cause it's a, you can imagine the barbers are having a similar conversation with me where they're going, so do you want me to sell clothes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so because of that, uh, let me, let me kind of explain that. What I tell them is, is, I want everyone to understand what Soric is, right? I want everyone to know what we do, but that doesn't mean saying, oh man, you should really try on this shirt or, oh, you would look great in that. You can, that's a part of it, but it's really being able to describe who we are. And what that is, is, you know, somebody's like, wow, so you guys sell clothes. Well, what we explain to them is, yeah, so we're obviously a barber shop, but we're also a menswear brand and we provide ready to wear collections throughout the year along with Soric Custom, where you can get select styles made to measure. That's what we do. So that opens the door for the customer to understand who we are, what we do, what Soric is about. And as they're checking out, there's a whole store for them to look through. You know, for us, I, I, another focus was making sure the experience is holistic from a, a physical standpoint. So when you're in the store, you can tell it's all encompassing, right? It's, it's not a barber shop, and then you walk over here and there's a clothing store. It's very much all together. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, okay, so let's, let's do a little role play here. So yeah, yeah. You're, you're cutting my hair and I'm like, you explain the whole Soric yeah, thing. Yeah. Kind of, I'm just like, Oh, what's, what's the clothes? You're just talking about that. Yeah. And, and then what happens is, is the customer usually like, well, what do you, what do you think about this? Like, uh, so the cus well, the customer's got a cape on them. So yeah. there's, not, <laughs> there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of clothing conversations at that point from there. You know, uh, my brother owns the business with me, Jared, mm -hmm. uh, he handles, <laughs> the majority of our clothing. Uh, so for, for me, it's, oh yeah, you know, whenever we're done, you'll have to, I'll have Jared show you around. There's a lot of really sick products. I think you'll love them. It's really the, the TO, the turnover is crucial, is the most crucial part of that conversion. It's making sure that that handover is smooth. You get the customer excited, but it's for a conversation for a later time. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's not, we're not going to be talking about your size, but you know, I've had that happen where I'm like, Oh, they're like, I love that shirt. Oh, what size are you? A medium. Hey, Jerry, can you grab a couple of mediums, you know, in the different colors? So like mid haircut. And they're yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and that, that's also because I mean, owning the business and, and operating right now, it's, it's a blast, but it also makes me so much more comfortable to have those conversations because I understand all of it really well, but I don't expect, you know, any of our barbers to, to have that conversation. Well, I've never over, because I overhear the other barbers conversation. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I've ever heard once them talk about like clothing. I've yeah. seen a lot of haircuts that yeah. don't even broach the subject whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Which but I guess you get someone fine. back like 10 times or more yeah, on yeah, average. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's where that intimate relationship, that, that community you build is so fun for the retail experience. Cause we're able to, to, you know, slowly tailor and you, you talk about wanting a case study with a business. We've got the best case study in the world for men. We have them coming in all day long, looking at clothing, 
I love that. I don't like that. I kind of like that all day long. So for me, it goes, it, it, as, as a retail brand, you're thinking, well, they're answering all of my questions for me. Whereas with e-commerce, it's a lot of what are my returns? What am I getting here? What am I getting there? You know what's really interesting about this? In my world, we generally don't know who the customer is because we have no, they don't live in the same country. We yeah. don't see their face. That's we don't see anything, right? We just, yeah. we, we get their money and maybe a name or something. Yeah. And the funny thing is you intimately know your target customer. Very much so. Yeah, because you talk to them for 30 minutes, yeah. you know, every two weeks or something like that. I know their wives, their girlfriends. Their <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's really, this is the total opposite yeah. in our world. We have to like go out and figure out yeah. like who is buying this Yeah, stuff? so for like, you guys, it's very much the, it's the, we're dealing with the chicken before the egg conversation, yeah. right? And, and I think there's value in both. For you guys, you understand, you know, a distribution model, all these different things that for me are kind of next steps where getting the retail, uh, the retail brand available in every state, getting it, all this sort of stuff. Whereas from an e-commerce standpoint, that's first. It's like, how do I get this to people? You know, how do I get it to the customer? Mm. Whereas for us, it's one store in one city. How do we take care of these people better than anyone else? And you know who those people are. You know, I just start cutting my customer's hair or something like that. Just get to get to, get to know them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what's like a rough revenue split between like clothing and barber services? Like, I, I so I was sitting in your chair one day and I was like, I bet you make way more money on barbering. And you were like, Yeah, no, it's like the yeah, other way around. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I'd say, I'd say right now, and and bearing in mind, you know, August fourth today is what the seventh. Mm -hmm. So three days ago was our one year. And you business. kind of the pandemic, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Happened. So, so like, yeah. So one year in business, it's, it's, how do I explain? I'd say we've got a pretty close to 50, 50 split, mm -hmm. but that's one year in business with the, the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And now the city's finally opening up the retail. We're seeing a very strong upward trend, uh, just as with barbering, but it's very easy for the retail side of our business to just start skyrocketing because it's so much more revenue per customer. Well, I mean, th yeah. that was one of the, the things I thought. I was just like, your brand could scale. Yeah. Your barbershop can scale to a certain degree. Yeah. But there are definite limits to the sky. Way on that one. bigger. And that, that's, yeah. a, that's another really important differentiator to what I see the, the barber. I'll call it the barber experience. Mm -hmm. I think the barber experience is a part of our brand, not what we do, hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So I don't see barbering in, you know, 10 years from now. I think it's going to be a part of an experience for brands. It's a great, it's a great career. You can make amazing money as a barber, but in terms of just a barber shop, it's so low margin and, you know, your your real estate in this town gets so much more expensive expensive that it just makes sense making it a part of something That's so for us barbering is a way for us to further service our customers that's awesome uh yeah. one of our, one of our other buddies uh eric bandholz who runs a beard brand yeah, yeah. out of austin yeah Great they guy. made a bar barber shop too which like yeah. he was just like and he was talking about it years ago because they wanted to record videos of haircuts yeah and he was just like I don't know if we'll make money with this barbershop, but we'll use it as a studio. Exactly. So it's kind of funny. So the barbers make money, of course. Yeah. But I don't know if they actually even turn a profit on that. They might turn some profit, yeah. 
But then compared to what they do with the business brand, yeah. it, it pales in comparison. And I, I'm speaking a lot of this from the perspective of Texas as well, which mm-hmm. is our market in, in terms of barbering is, I'd say, middle price point. You go to LA, you go to New York, that's where you're dealing with, you know, here, I'd say 40 to $50 is premium. In LA, it's like 90. Mm-hmm. So there's growth here that could change a lot of our conversation, right? There's a lot of space with demographics changing, the city becoming more affluent, all those things. I think as the city grows, we could be having a very different conversation. I could be telling you, well, wow, shit, this is <laughs> well, great. <laughs> well, that stretch of E6 that you're on. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I mean, I've lived in Austin for 20 years and yeah. like you didn't step foot in this part of town. No, like, not just, at all. Not at all. It was bad. Exactly. And now exactly. like buying a house here, walking around at yeah, night, yeah. you're just like, wow, what a Now what we're a doing change. a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So let's talk about uh, local business reviews. I mean, whenever we're talking to local businesses, whenever we consult for them stuff, it, the thing I always recommend, I'm just like, just get a bunch of reviews. Yeah. I mean, like, don't even focus on anything else right now. I mean, reviews. of course, do your business good. So getting local business reviews, let's talk about that. So you have something like 88 five-star Google reviews. That's just yeah, Google. Yeah. Um, that's a lot for like a pretty new barbershop. Yeah. Um, like how important are reviews to your business? Uh, it's been really fun seeing and learning how important they really are. Because as you know, we've had our conversations, I've had a couple other friends reinforce the, the importance of reviews. We don't spend a dime on ads right now. No, mm. no marketing spend, nothing. But just focusing on reviews, uh, thankfully, we have a lot of of a huge amount of unprompted reviews that are like essays. Uh, The more we've grown our reviews on Google, it's been amazing how many more people come in as opposed to just saying, oh, I walked by yesterday. I saw it. I wanted to come check it out, which is great. Mm -hmm. Now it's way more people saying, oh. I looked up barbershop on Google and I found you guys, hmm. which is wonderful. And the reviews have definitely positioned us in a much better way so from an SEO standpoint. The reason I like asking someone like you is because like it's difficult to track. Yeah. So people are like, well, is there like evidence that it brings in more people? It's just like, I think that's just how people search businesses. It is. Like completely. they search on their phone. Google's smart enough to know where you are and well, it shows and you. Google, I think from an SEO standpoint to what you're saying, positions you hire too. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do y'all, I mean, I'm assuming you do the whole thing. Like, did you know about local reviews before? Or did you have to learn it? Like, where did that come from? Because you've done a good job at it. I th- you know, I, I used to manage salons as well. I, I've been in the, the brick and mortar space for a long time. So mm-hmm. you, you get comfortable asking, right? Which mm-hmm. is a funny proposition. But, but if, you're, if, if you're able to create some level of empathy mm-hmm. in the sense of, you know, if I have a customer that's having a wonderful experience, I'll, I'll ask something to the extent of, uh, oh, uh, you know, thank you so much for coming in. If you wouldn't mind leaving us a Google review, it's, it's like gold for us right now. Mm. Being a new business helps out with that immensely. So, so I'd say that it's, it's a little bit of having a lot of experience being in brick and mortars, but also patronizing a lot of businesses. If you've been to a lot of businesses, you start learning the flow of how to ask for a review, how to, you know, how important are reviews? Uh, I think you learn that with how people complain about bad reviews, (laughs) you know? Well, I've talked to restaurant owners and especially old school ones that have been 
you doing restaurants for the past 20 plus years yeah. when Yelp and stuff wasn't a thing. And man, it is such an adversarial relationship with it Yelp. Is. They it hate is. Yelp. Yeah. And, and Yelp I, is, is, I try to reframe is. their mind a little bit by like, I know it's, it's sort of extortion. Maybe it is extortion. It's extortion. Completely. It is it's extortion. Completely extortion. <laughs> Let's just say it. it is completely extortion. It, it is extortion. They make you pay to remove bad reviews. And someone's just like, oh, they didn't have a high chair. And you're like, Sorry. Okay. I mean, that's not like a one-star reason. Or yeah. they're just like, there was a lot of traffic. And you're like, how is that my fault? Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and that shows up and that dings you, right? And if reviews are that important, you got a three and a half versus a five now because it's one yeah. asshole. That sucks. Completely. So how do you... Um, how do you navigate that? Like, do you, were you always warm to reviews or do you have like a, like a kind of love hate with them or? I definitely have a love hate. Uh, Yelp, as you're saying that whole, there's a reason we have 88 Google reviews and maybe three Yelp reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Are Yelp people meaner? No, it's because I don't tell people to go on Yelp. <laughs> That's true. I, I mean, the number of calls I get, it costs a dollar a day to have your logo on Yelp. Mm -hmm. just to have your logo. But does it bring in more than a dollar a day in business? I wouldn't know. I'm not going to banter to that <laughs> right now. <laughs> you know, I think there's value, obviously, in their platform. But Google, we're getting results, right? Mm -hmm. I think that with Yelp, I might be biting the bullet soon. I'm mm -hmm. not certain. But I, it's it's not a different customer. It's just... For us as a business, it's a very uncomfortable relationship to have with, you know, a service that I'm paying for, but also could be hugely beneficial or hugely detrimental to my business. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that exposure and that, um, how do I explain that, that, that exposure to the customer, but that vulnerability is a very precarious thing. It's very, um, it's very weird to navigate because you're kind of on edge. You know, let's say a customer comes in and they're not very uh, decisive or they're not certain of what they want. Now, as a business with reviews being a thing the way that at the level that they are, you're in a weird position where it's like this guy has no idea what he wants. Hopefully we're giving him, you know, like you, you navigate it through the consultation. But some guys, they're just like, yep, let's go. Let's do it. And you're like. All right, you know this. Uh, this should be great. I think you're gonna love it. Like maybe like Brad Pitt, and you're like, bro, it ain't yeah, the hair. <laughs> I know, and you're kind of sitting here going, I really hope they enjoy this because otherwise they could say, man, worst haircut experience ever. And it's like, why? <laughs> like, yeah. what? You know, and, and I've, I'm very blessed to not. We have not had any of those situations, and and as a business owner, I'm very uh, a. Uh, owner operator, I'll say, I'm very, very diligent about making sure I'm I'm present and and able to assist with any uncomfortable customer situations. You know, mm -hmm. the, I think the extent that we have is maybe a guy asks for something and we're providing it, but it's not quite what they want, so they're a little nervous about how it's turning out mm -hmm. and alleviating that with you know good energy, positive energy, and making sure they're happy when they leave. Um, and any management I would hire in the near future, I'd hope would have the same vibe. That helps us navigate those review situations. Yeah, the, the, the Google and Yelp, it kind of reminds me of like the customer now has the ability to leave a review, which can make you a lot more money, yeah. like as you're experiencing yeah. with Google. Um, 
but they could also leave a negative review. What it reminds me of is kind of like social media. Yeah. So people always like complain about like burnout on social media. You got to post all the time, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But if you're like, let's say you're Instagram or Twitter, who are you going to promote? The guy that doesn't use your service at all or exactly. the guy that uses all the time? Exactly. You know, it's just like, what would you do in their position? Well, I think that the there's, there's a little bit of a double-edged sword there because who would they want to promote? The guy that uses their service really well or the guy that uses their service poorly all the time? Fair. So it's it's a weird it's a weird thing to navigate because bad advertising content all throughout your feed is gross to a lot of people. It, I'll mm. turn off Instagram instantly, but a lot of well curated images that might keep me on Instagram a lot longer. Because so their goal is eyeballs, right? Yeah. So I think to your to your point, they definitely want more content. They want people providing more content. But at a certain level, that's why their algorithm is so specific on how many breaking through those little tiers of viewership. So, so let's let's go. Let's skip this section and go yeah. straight to social media. Yeah. You mentioned before, and I've been dying to ask you this now. You were like Instagram. Talk to me about Instagram barbering. Important, not important. Awesome, bad. I think Instagram, it's really great, but it's a it's a portfolio tool. It's something to get you exposure in terms of your work, but I've found in my experience with the barber world, not the clothing world, the clothing world's a lot different from a social media standpoint, mm. but from a barbering world, it's, it's a referral business. I wanna make sure, you know, I think social media is a younger demographic of people that would maybe DM a barber shop to say, hey, can I get a haircut? You know, that's not, that's not going to be your, you know, maybe some young professionals might do that, but generally speaking, you know, your mid, mid to late, really more late twenties to late thirties is my, probably my core demographic. Those guys are not, they'll see a great haircut and then they'll go to the website. You know what I mean? That that's, but they're not, not as inclined to pick someone off of social media. Women, a lot different women with the salon world, they'll find a stylist, see highlights or a balayage that they love, and that's their girl. They're, mm. I want you to do my hair. That, I've found that's huge. But for barbers, social media is a great tool to where if I'm out at a bar and I meet you, yeah, follow me on Instagram, I work at Soric, I'd love to cut your hair. That relationship there turns into a customer experience. A great customer experience turns into that guy telling all of his friends who are obviously going to be at least in a similar demographic. Mm. Yo, you got to go check out Sorek. Dean, Dean did a wonderful job. That's where we get the most growth. And that growth is so strong from a foundation standpoint that you can rely on it and your retention is huge. Whereas social media, you're, you're less likely to get as specific with your demographics as you would with referrals, obviously. Referrals is a hustle, but it's it's very very well. Like when I saw Soric, I, I kind of clicked on the uh, yeah, I clicked on the Google listing, yeah, and it has some pictures and stuff. And then I saw that the website has like an Instagram. I checked yeah. it out, and like I don't I don't know what I was like, trying to get from it, but I'm yeah. just like it's a real place, yeah. And they seem to have some relatively updated Instagram, yeah. Like it's not like I, I don't really care what all the stuff a, on it is. It's a credibility tool, right? Yeah, yeah. It just, yeah. It's like someone's alive. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, there's something there. Whereas if you went on and I hadn't posted in three months, you'd be I'd be like, a little skeptical. 
yeah, what's going on there? Yeah, like I just need something, something yeah. happening. Okay, so that's kind of interesting because I noticed a, there's a large Barbara contingent on uh, Instagram. Huge. Not on Twitter so much, but mainly like Instagram. No, Instagram, it's, it's a funny... It's kind of like ASMR content. It's a funny yeah. sort of, <laughs> I, I, people love watching people get their hair cut. Yeah, and they do crazy stuff. Like they'll like wax their whole face. And which like, is, yeah, yeah. That's so it's just like over the top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it keeps popping up in my feet, so I keep definitely. clicking on it. Well, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely crazy to watch. I, I wouldn't recommend getting your face waxed. <laughs> oh, no. Um, <laughs> How often do, do you have like a schedule that you post on I, mainly Instagram, right? I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is, is there like a schedule? Like you tell someone like you got to post like once a day, once a month. For us, it's once a day right now, but that's a lot of, you know, coming out of the pandemic skeleton crew. Now that we're staffing more, we'll have a lot more time to get more content posted. I'd say twice a day would be great. You know, mm -hmm. sort of a morning post and then a primetime post. That way you're, you're getting a little bit more exposure. And, and when you post, like, I, I, it's hard to track, mm -hmm. but does it put like butts in seats? Like, does it get people to the store? Mm, yes, from us, the standpoint of existing customers that follow us get reminded. Mm. I've, I've posted stories and have had three clients book because they go, oh shit, I do need to get my hair cut, mm. right? But new customers, I don't think you have the reach unless it's paid. And that's where it's a little bit more, it's a whole new world, right? Your world. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'd say from a, from a you know, relationship standpoint with your customers, it's great. And that's, I guess, a point we haven't really made is social media is a great way to stay in touch. Ooh, that's a... That's a quote right there. Yeah. That's good. It's a great way to stay in touch with your customer base, all that. I think that it's it's a wonderful way for you to be able to maintain that relationship, you know, uh, in a, a pretty intimate way. I mean, you're seeing their their posts. They're seeing yours as a business. You can message each other. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Uh, so let's talk about, in general, like not necessarily social media, but like marketing a local business. Like, so when you set up, like, how do you get the word out? What do you, you, I mean, I guess you could put signs on the street. I guess you can make yeah. Instagram posts, but like, how do you get the word out? For You'd be a amazed. Signs on the street <laughs> do work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's funny. We had, when Soric was being built out, we had a mass, uh, a bunch of window vinyl over the storefront. Uh, it was huge. Um, like a lot what, of people what saw does it that. say? It just said Soric Barbershop and Menswear, you know, with our <laughs> logos like huge. Like, you know, you see our windows, they're like yeah. 11 feet tall or something. They were massive. I mean, really big. And people drove by a bunch. And then as we took it down, we had so many people coming in going, I was wondering when this was going to open. And I'm, well, thank God. You know? Well, okay. So signs are near and dear to my heart because a long time ago, we did about a couple of years ago, we did this uh, shoe hospital sign. So I used to walk, I used to live downtown yeah. and uh, I would walk by the shoe hospital and it always like made me laugh. I was like, shoe hospital. Are you thinking about in Houston or in Austin? No, in Austin. But, but, but yeah. there's a, there's a, there's 17, there's one guy owns them. All. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In Austin, Houston, San Antonio or something like that. That's cool. And so I'd walk by the shoe hospital every day. And one day I was just like, what the hell do they do? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I don't know what I was thinking in my head. Yeah. And I walked in and I go, Hey, what does a shoe hospital do? He's like a shoe hospital. And he yeah, looked at me like I was an idiot. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I'm not. 
I'm not get like you clean shoes like so Big I think shoes and he told me to come yeah. to the back so I guess there's a franchisee so there's a yeah. franchisee owner so come in the back and he was working on a pair of men's loafers and yeah. like black and one was like really crappy and scuffed up and I yeah. was like that's what all my shoes look like yeah. and then he showed me a brand new one and I was like oh that looks like a new shoe he's like yeah that's what we do shoe hospital that's awesome. I was like why don't you just show me that <laughs> and so I offered to make them a sign because they had all these signs in front of the a-frame sandwich yeah. boards and those signs said half price heels Saturday. <laughs> and then it one said like shoe hospital or something like very yeah, generic. Nothing, and I was nothing. like, I'm I'm not getting it. Like yeah, what what's yeah. I was like, what if you just show me like a bad shoe and a good shoe? Like even that, no text. Exactly. I'd be like, gotcha. Right. Yeah. And then he showed me like bad cowboy boots and then they stain and dye them a different color. And they're yeah. awesome. And you're like, show that's me it. that yeah that's so i was it. like yeah. i will i will make these signs for you so i went and photoshopped them that night got them made at kinko's cost 165 bucks yeah. they 50 percent, basically almost doubled their walk-in rate from wow. eight, eight walk-ins a day to 16 and their average order value is like way over 50 bucks yeah uh, 50 to 200 yeah. bucks and um it worked so well the owner of the entire franchise was ta- uh was just like i don't want to publish this experiment i was like that was the whole point. I told you this in, in the beginning. I paid for everything. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it worked so well. He didn't want to say it. So with that story, um, have you ever tried out different signs or anything like that? You know, we haven't. We're we're going to into the winter. That's really like coming out of the. Dude, little, can I do little, it? <laughs> I, I just want to do it for fun. Yeah, like I'll do it, it for you. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's yeah. do some fun. So I actually worked in the branding space with my friend's company, Foxmark. Uh, we did like brand imaging signage. We manufactured all of it. So, you know, you think about Kinko's, we were Kinko's, but on steroids, we did everything for the Rocket Stadium, the Astros, the, uh, we did sort of Simmons. So I'm very like that, that space is very near and dear to my heart too, because you start recognizing the value of even something like a car wrap. People look at it and Mm. they think it's so cheesy, but you're seeing it everywhere. You'll see that car and you're like, oh, um, I don't know if you ever saw the meme shred it. It's a, a company that shreds paper. Oh, and there's a video like a of a guy going shred it because he thought it was funny because he'd see all the shredded trucks everywhere and he's making this meme that went viral and now shred it. You, you always see this shredded truck and you think about that and you resonate with it. But then at the same time, we're all like, you know, everyone jokes about small business owners like, oh, you're going to put the, your face on the side of the car, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> Bitch, I might. You know, it works. It works. It's like a realtor, or something like you that. Know? Herbalife does yeah, that. All the yeah. time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. watch me. You oh, one eight hundred got junk. Yeah, they're all over all the place. those. All of those. Yeah. So I, I think that signage is great. Um, what's funny is, is you know, demographics, man. If you or whether it's your location, it's just knowing where you're opening is so crucial. And obviously, if I'm B two B. That's a little different because I'm marketing in a different capacity. I'm not needing the foot traffic because I'm calling on customers. I'm, you know, using LinkedIn. I'm using all those tools. But from a a, a personal services standpoint, retail standpoint, if you're able to get in a great area, I mean, that's that's your your the real proposition, right? Like, if where Soric is today, it's it's turnkey. You know, it, I can open, I open the store and the amount of walking traffic we get, all of that is huge. So 
that from, you know, that's the foundation in my mind from, you know, anyone starting from zero is like really understand your demographics and where you're opening. And that's 80% of the battle. So as the owner, like before you scouted the location, yeah. so you're in like a kind of like a high-end like boutique hotel yeah. building, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, like yeah. at the bottom mm -hmm. and on East 6th Street, which is like, you know, the famous like road in, in Austin. Yeah. So is there like a number or a formula you use? Like there's like 500 people that walk by a day. Like we'll get this many. There's, it there's, it's really the, the demographic reports that you get in cities. They'll show a radius and it'll show like your GDP, like, uh, of that area, like how much money every household's making oh. on average. And this, this area, it's funny. This area was <laughs> totally off because this is the amount of growth we've had, right? So I had to spend a lot of time in this part of town. And thankfully I, I lived here for a year, you know, four years ago. So I knew where the growth was happening. I knew what was going on. But if you, if you looked at the demographic report two years ago, three years ago, you'd be like, oh, the, the average household income here is 60 grand? Not anymore. Uh, if you, you know? knew how much the house next door sold for. That's what you. I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. So, so, but it's, it's a lot of that is a delayed fuse, right? So mm. as long as you can keep your ear to the ground and put in your due diligence, that's, that's key. You know, there's so many people that just will look at a re re report like that, which is valuable, but you need to look at the report and then you need to spend a week in that part of town going to coffee shops, going and eating dinner, going to stores or shoe hospitals or whatever and get a vibe for it. See what's going on. So, okay. So you're doing like kind of on the work on, on the ground work yeah. to figure out where to put the location first. Yeah. yeah. And like, I know I heard a story about how whole foods does it and they basically look at the amount of college degrees in the area or yeah. something like that. that's what I heard. I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's all do. sorts of, you can yeah. find, you can be very specific with what works best for your business type. Mm -hmm. Uh, for me, we, we're a men's brand. I need to make sure there's a lot dudes of guys. that have disposable income. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to make sure there's a lot of guys that are younger. So really, like renters are more my space than like a bunch of like if I move to Lakeway, mm. because a lot of those guys are already established in their careers. They're not trying to impress as many people. They might be married already, which means they really are not trying to impress <laughs> anyone. <laughs> so, so it's it's. Uh, it's funny because a lot of people would think, oh, I want to be by all the million dollar houses. It's like, yeah, but no. <laughs> hmm. A lot of those guys, they might have personal shoppers who are not really, they just go straight to Neiman's. Mm, you know, interesting. They, so it's, it's uh, that, that specificity is important from a marketing standpoint. Now, once you've opened, then it's relationships, man. I work with a lot of charities. I, I stay involved with the community. That's my bread and butter. When it comes to digital marketing, your space, I'm, I'm pretty green to be honest, but building community and building relationships is what I've always been keen on. And, and thankfully I've been very successful at. So. Well, it, <clears throat> if it makes you feel any better, what I've always noticed is like for an offline business, Offline marketing works really well. For yeah. Online business, online works very exactly, well. Exactly. Yeah. We actually rented a billboard as an, this is another experiment we did. We yeah. rented a billboard on Cesar Chavez. Yeah. And to see what would happen. I was just yeah. curious. I wanted to learn how to make a billboard and I, I couldn't really find much about it online, yeah. which is shocking. So we're just like, let's make a billboard and see what happens. Yeah. And it, it's kind of funny. It's very difficult to get like the offline to translate. But if you, there was a billboard, there's no billboards on 6th Street, but like, there, uh, no, there's six, a couple. Yeah, seven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like if you said like Soric and then an down arrow. Yeah. yeah. Or uh, we were consulting for like a, a medical uh, group and they had a freestanding um, 
emergency ER. Yeah. And we made a billboard and it was very unclever. And it just said like emergency room, no wait or something like that. <laughs> like it was really simple. And we bought yeah. the billboard next door to it and had an arrow and that totally worked. <laughs> That's awesome. So for, for like offline to offline, it seems to work really well. The online to offline, there's a bit of a jump. Yeah. Yep. So I guess like off online is like the Google listing. Yeah. Like, so you're already doing that. So you're yeah, probably maxing yeah. well, out your online. And, and to, to circle back to what I said earlier, it's also that the, it's that uh, right now mentality, right? So online marketing, if it's not a quick conversion of I hit, click the link and it calls, I'm finding that we get less conversion off of that. For us, it's like, uh, you know, for example, the online booking tool. I'd love for everyone to use it all the time, but when you're on the Google listing and you can, it's as easy as clicking our phone number, that's a lot faster. And I think similarly with the billboard saying, hey, it's right here. Think about it. You can go right now. That's, I think that's where people's heads are at. Cool. And then when it comes to like starting an, a physical business, obviously with like online, like pull up a Shopify store, you're ready to go. Yeah. yeah. Um, in person, it sounds like a lot more of a pain in the ass or uh, because you have to have a storefront and there's construction costs involved. And I'm assuming you're spending a ton of money before you cut a head of hair. Oh, definitely. definitely. Um, how long does it take to get from like conception of this idea to like cutting your first client's hair or selling your first? If suit? I was to, if I was to say, you know, like package it as though I'm doing a franchise, yeah, I'd say there's a good year and a half. Whoa. Yeah. Well, the, from starting, starting a brand. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's permitting. That's like everything. Right. So if I was starting a barbershop, I would want to spend at least like that includes like I'm working a job right now, thinking about it, going to start it, building out the branding, doing all this stuff. Now, if I'm boots on the ground, like hustling, I, and I've already been through it, right? That's, that's another huge differentiator between me and somebody who's very green, hasn't opened a business yet is I've done it already. Mm -hmm. That means I, I could cut that down to, you know, six months. Uh, but you, that's build out time. You know, this space, Austin's permitting took two months, three months. Oh my God. Yeah. So you're sitting on your hands, you know, going, okay, motherfuckers. <laughs> Damn. That's, yeah. I, I, that's longer than I expected you to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and I'm sure you're pouring money into it and you probably got some other people working with you and you got to pay them. And yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's branding teams, like all that stuff. Cause that, you think about all the facets, R and D on product, like getting everything ready takes a while, man. Cause we're, we're a full clothing brand. All of our patterns are ours, you know, like there's so much of what's in Soric and what we do that is like, it's, it's cool because we own it. If I was just wholesaling, fucking, yeah, six months, four months. Do you get like nervous as hell that just no one shows up? Like when it opens? Dude, it's, it's a funny thing because I find that due diligence is, is one of the keys to life, right? If, if you put in your time, a lot of that anxiety goes away. Because mm. for me, I, I always joke with my brother. I'm like, you know, I'm the kind of guy that I can't afford a Ferrari right now, but if I bought one, I could. Like, <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. Like, uh -huh. I've always been that kind <laughs> of guy. I've always been that kind of guy. So for me, when the business is opening and I'm facing these, these you know, hills to climb, that's, that's my element. Like, once I'm, once I'm facing adversity or I have something that engages me, I'm there. It's this effect funny parallel is like when I wake up in the morning, if I've got something I need to wake up for, I'm up. 
Like I'm awake, I'm ready to go. There's nothing going on the next day. I could sleep until 11, you know? But it's like, for me, I, the anxiety side of it, it, it wasn't really there. It was more of like an engagement. It was like, I'm, I've got something to really bite into and hustle on. Uh, so the, the anxiety was never really there. Huh, interesting. Now, when you hire people, that's where a bit of anxiety comes in because you're like, okay, uh, I want these people to make money. So like, where are their customers? You know, like yeah. that's when you start doing marketing spin and you're like, you're wanting to make sure they're having a great experience working with Soric. And, and that, that's just me being empathetic. You know, I, I hate the idea of somebody starting and not making a great living and not getting, you know, building the career that they want and those sort of things. So that's where I have a bit of anxiety where I'm like, Man, this guy's only had you know four clients today. How do I get him more clients? So and and then so like having a storefront and stuff like you you got a space which is kind of cool. Yeah. Like you meet people. Are there a lot of are there a lot of downsides or not a lot of downsides or? Uh, yeah, in the sense that the, the downside would be control. Like you're you're, I don't. It's not like I have a gatekeeper. So a lot of times we'll get some crazies that come in the store, <laughs> and that's not oh fun. just random weirdos yeah. walking. Random in. weirdos. Okay. People just you know, maybe cracked out or something. And you're just thinking to yourself <laughs> like, really, man, like, <laughs> you know, and that's miserable. Um, but I think that the going back to that chicken before the egg conversation, it's been fun seeing how our experience being unique to the barber space, mm -hmm. how it's kind of created a whole new model of personal services that are, creating uh conversion into retail it's really cool seeing that and it really alleviates a lot of your anxiety because you're like if i was just a clothing store now you've got to get customers like it's 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 uh it's like a cult you want to build this like commitment to your brand and oh i love this brand and i'm going to drive over to buy clothes from this brand whereas with barbering it's like i need a haircut today yeah, that's a really cool. That's what that was so interesting about it. I was just like, wow, like you kind of have to come back all the time. And I was just like, you know, if I go to this guy like 15 times, I might buy something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might buy something eventually. Well, and that's where we're able to tune it to make sure our customers have products that they enjoy. And what's cool is is having that experience. But then once we get into the the online space, that's a whole other customer to make happy. But We've already kind of done our case study. You know? Very interesting. Uh, what about, have you seen other retails, uh, sorry, like kind of combos like this, like barbershop plus something, barbershop plus yes. anything? Yeah, it's it's been, I'd say in the last 10 years, probably not even 10, I'd say the last probably five years, there's been a bunch more, huge number of people recognizing, because there, there was that uptick and it's so funny, but you know, Macklemore comes out with that haircut and every guy wanted a fit. <laughs> really? Guy. That was I was, the thing I that... was managing salons at the time. That's hilarious. And you'd get guys that would go to a barbershop to get a fade, but then they would go to our salon to get the top of their haircut because barbers didn't really understand scissor work yet. Now mm. it's a whole different world. Now we're evolved. Now we understand, you know, barbers understand all, you know, lengths of hair, textures of hair, et cetera. But that happens. And then all these salons that are losing their male clients go, shit, I need to open a luxury barbershop because that's what these guys want. They want the fade, but they want it in a salon, 
you know, vibe where you can have a cocktail, you can have, you know, all these different things. Um, and as they opened them, they were thinking that, oh, I'm going to pay a great commission. And then we make our, you know, that pays our, our commission that we receive from services, you know, our split to the business pays our overhead and a little bit more. And then, oh, the retail product, just like in the salon, mm -hmm. that's what's going to you know, be our margin and it'll be great business. The problem is they were trying to create that parallel that didn't exist. Men's hair product, as I mentioned earlier, costs way too little and it lasts six 12 months. bucks yeah, yeah, yeah. for a year and a half. Yeah. yeah. So they started finding this out quickly and they're going, shit, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Uh, that's where you have like barbershop, coffee shop. You've got all sorts <laughs> dude, all sorts of stuff. But does that work? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've, it's the same conversation. As long as you, you're focused on a high level of service and you know you're you're good with people and and staffing and building a great community with your customers and within your shop how can't it but see the the thing i don't like about like barbershop coffee shop is it's both local like your your yeah. customer circle is within 20 square blocks at most yeah there's no one else coming from out of town for for the most part yeah whereas with yours it's like you could technically sell a suit to a guy in dubai or something yeah like yeah yeah huh. have you seen any other uh services like that like kind of like outside of clothing or is it mainly just kind of like barbershop coffee shop I'm curious if there's any other combos that have like like oh i go I, uh, where my parents live uh there's a there's like a barbershop car wash yeah <laughs> it's like, crazy this car wash had, sorry sorry not where my parents live in austin yeah right here there's like a, 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 a there's a place that has a big car wash but they also have this this guy who like gives haircuts there that's so funny that's so funny. i was like I huh, that's a Interesting combo. To my point, to my point, barbering is is uh, I I consider it more of an experience where it's like, you know, just like a car wash would want to have coffee or maybe beer, why not have a barber shop? <laughs> That's awesome, man. I appreciate you answering all these questions. Yeah. Uh, so we got a little lightning round. So we okay. like one minute timed questions, and we put these out as like YouTube Shorts and stuff yeah. like that. So uh, I'll I'll time you to keep it on uh, yeah. things. So let let's do this. Um, yeah, this was, this was really fun. Like yeah. learning about this stuff. It was like a, it feels like a whole new world for me. <laughs> uh, let's go. So, all right. All right. So how would you get 50 reviews for a new local store or barbershop? Create, create empathy with the customer, you know, make them understand how important it is to you. So I would say something, as I mentioned before, something like, uh, you know, Hey, I'm so glad you came in today. I hope you had an amazing experience. If you wouldn't mind leaving a Google review, they're like gold for us right now. Mm. That that value proposition where they understand they're doing something, doing you a favor. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. That was quick. Um, all right. So would you rather start only a barbershop or only a clothing brand? I'd say I would rather start only a clothing brand. I think that that's, that's an experience that it's fun being able to style clothing, that the process of, of creating products is just as engaging as the sales process to the customer. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, barbering is always going to be something I do. So it's, it's not, you know, I think from a business standpoint, I, I would be much more stimulated by owning a clothing brand. Nice. And then uh, lastly... So how long does it take to get a barbershop launched and a full schedule booked? Awesome. So just a barbershop, I would say full schedule booked, 
six months to a year. Mm -hmm. That's from starting the idea, opening it, building it, or starting the idea, building it, opening it, and getting fully booked. It's, you know, like, like I said, it's, it's been our one year and that that's where we're at. So nice. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you. Uh, where can people, uh, find you and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So Sorek, we've got, we're on Instagram at Sorek TX, uh, that's S O R E K T X. And then, uh, my personal Instagram's Gord, like the squash Jason. So G O U R D Jason. Really? You got Instagram.com slash Gord? Yeah. That's pretty dope. Well, that's why my name is Jason Gord. So. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like a English word yeah. as you're, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah nice. Gord's, Gord Jason. And then, uh, so you can also go to Sorek.com, which dope domain name too. Yeah. You're yeah. on the name game here. We that's got awesome. it, man. Yeah. Yeah. And we the got store is on East 6th Street in Austin, East Side, uh, 1813 East 6th Street. Yes, sir. Yeah. So uh, check them out. Um, I'll post some pictures and uh, maybe some little B-roll and video yeah, of the, the place just so people can get an idea of what we're talking about. super fun. Awesome. Thanks that. so much for talking yeah. to me. Yeah. Appreciate it. Of course, man. Take care. Yeah. Hey, it's Neville here. And I'd love to explain four reasons getting on our email list can benefit your life. Number one, every Friday we send out the stupid email, which is a swipe, thought, uplifting, picture, interesting, and drawing. People regularly say this is their most looked forward to email they get all week. Number two, we spend a lot of time and money filming great interviews about content marketing, copywriting, communications, growing a business, and just figuring out more about how the world works. For example, we've interviewed the CEOs of AppSumo, Udemy, The Hustle, and many more. There's so many golden nugget lessons we learn from each of them, and I hope you get in on this too. Number three, a single idea can possibly change the trajectory of your life. Just one thing you learn or pick up from these emails can potentially have a gigantic impact on you. And number four, we cover topics on how to grow a small business from just a side project to becoming something that's a full-time career. And bonus number five, you can unsubscribe at any time. One click, poof, I am out of your life forever. Losing a subscriber is painful, so I've tried to make sure my email list is full of useful information to business owners and people trying to improve their copy and communication skills. So go to copywritingcourse.com and enter your email. We'll handle the rest. Thank you.